Krishna Seva, conversations centered around devotee care implementation in ISKCON communities across the world. We have had the good fortune of interviewing a host of senior ISKCON leaders on a variety of topics, including devotee care for outreach, devotee care for leadership, devotee care for various uh, uh, personalities who are connected to ISKCON and ISKCON temples for very long periods of time. Also, we had His Holiness Giriraj Maharaj speak to us about Srila Prabhupada's perspectives on devotee care. And uh, last week we had uh, His Holiness Bhanu Swami Maharaj speaking to us about the Shastric perspectives on devotee care. We are very honored to have with us His Holiness Praladanand Swami Maharaj. Welcome Maharaj. He is the GBC Minister for Sanyas, which is basically caring for the senior monks all across ISKCON. And uh, today's conversation is uh, extended uh, further to cover all types of monks in the monastic order within ISKCON. So my first question to you, Maharaj, is that uh, how do we understand the context of the monastery in today's day and age in uh, Kali Yuga? Whereas in the Vedic system, uh, children used to take training in the Gurukul from uh, age 5 to 25 and then decide whether to go into the monastic life or into the Grihastashram. So we are having uh, people enter into ISKCON's uh, monastic order pretty much in their 20s. So uh, how do you explain, uh, how do you factor this uh, adjustment with respect to the ancient system? Well, there's an eternal, thank you for the question. Nice to be here. There is, according to Bhagavad Gita, there's an eternal process of becoming self-realized and ultimately Krishna consciousness, Krishna conscious. In the, seven, <clears throat> in the 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Abhayam sattva samshudira jnana yoga vivyastiti dhanam dhamas jagnas cha swarayatap arjava. That, um, or as uh, Prahlad Maharaj said, Kamara Acharat Pragyo Dharman Bhagavatan Hiha. Best, the best is that from the very beginning of life, one actually cultivates Krishna consciousness. That, uh, <clears throat> that means Swadayaya, self study. That ahambramasmi, I am actually a spiritual soul, and that my actual position is that jivera swupahoy krishnera nityadas, that I am the eternal servant of Krishna. If one begins from the beginning of life with that conception, then it's very unlikely that one will develop a false ego, that I am this body, and that the purpose of life is to serve my senses and my mental speculations. Now, <clears throat> if one has cultivated a false ego from the beginning of life, when one becomes 20 or later, then as Shul Prabhupada said, it's difficult to give up that false ego because we've cultivated so carefully for so long, it's become very much part of our identity and nature, and to give it up becomes rather difficult for the conditioned soul. But it's possible by beginning with 
Swadaya, self-study. Now, study doesn't mean just to read the Bhagavad Gita a couple of times. Study means to, for instance, read the Bhagavad Gita and to memorize what it says in the Bhagavad Gita. Maybe not word for word, but at least to know what the Bhagavad Gita says so that as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Ukramantam sitim vapi bunjana vagunan vita vimbudo nana pashanti pashanti jnana chakshusha that the foolish, they cannot understand what kind of body one enjoys under the spell of the material modes of nature or how the living entity quits his body or what kind of body he enjoys under the spell of the modes of nature. But those whose eyes are trained with knowledge can actually see all this clearly. The beginning of life is to train our eyes with knowledge so we can see through the Bhagavad Gita. So first we have to hear Bhagavad Gita and then we have to actually remember what the instructions are, what the vision of Bhagavad Gita is. Because if we don't understand what the instructions, what the vision is or are, then we cannot apply that within our life, especially in relationship with others. Because our field of activities for the devotee is loving exchanges with other devotees, especially the six loving exchanges that Srila Rupa Goswami mentions in the Nectar of Instruction. Verse number four. And then that verse number five instructs us how we can apply those six loving exchanges in the most intelligent way possible by finding out who our authorities are, who our gurus are, who are the devotees we're supposed to cooperate with, who are on the, more or less on the same level that we're on, and who are those devotees we should be merciful to and instruct to help them advance in Krishna consciousness. So if we apply the instructions in our, of our scriptures and we apply them with intelligence and the loving exchanges with the devotees, then we can come to the platform of Krishna consciousness namely fearlessness, purification of our existence, and the cultivation of spiritual knowledge. But for those who cannot apply that perfectly or progressively without difficulty, without material attachment, then there is the Grihasta Ashram to learn three things, Yagya, Dana, and Dhammas. How to perform sacrifice in household life, to the satisfaction of the Supreme, how to be charitable in Krishna consciousness, and how to control the mind and senses so that even in the association of the objects of the senses, one still does not become entangled, but instead it utilizes those objects in the service of Krishna for dhanam and yagya, sacrifice, and for charity. Then one can eventually in the course of time come to the more renounced position of tapas for the vanaprastas or those practicing austerity and from there advance finally again to the platform of fearlessness knowing that Krishna is everywhere that everything belongs to Krishna that Krishna is the control of everything and abhayam sattva samshudir that 
all one's activities are simply done for the satisfaction of Krishna, and then jnana yoga vyavastiti, avayam sattva samachudira, purification one's existence, everything is done to please Krishna with jnana, with knowledge, knowing well what Krishna wants and how he wants us to do things. So then one can actually work on the spiritual platform in consciousness of Krishna and actually, as Krishna says, be really in the renouncer of life. That is, uh, Krishna says that one who renounces the fruit of his work, but who, uh, when it works as he's obligated, is in the renouncer of life, and he who lights no fire and performs no sacrifice. So real sannyasana, real renunciation, is to offer the ex, the results of our work or our activities in the service of Krishna with the idea of pleasing Krishna. So whatever position we're in, in the Hare Krishna movement, if we have that consciousness, then we're actually acting in the renounced order of life, not just externally by dress, but by consciousness. Thank you so much, Maharaj, for sharing this beautiful wisdom. I would, uh, you know, really appreciate if you share with many of our audience who are mostly, uh, you know, grihasthas and a part of the congregation. And many of them are quite curious to know what kind of training is usually uh, recommended for monks in the early years of their joining the Hare Krishna movement and do you have any such standardized training program for training the monks across ISKCON? Well, the same program is there for training everyone. The only factual way that any of us will be monks, because Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavad Gita, there's Grihasta Brahmacharis and there is the other Brahmacharis. Prabhupada has given us the process, or actually Sri Rupa Goswami has given us the process the process is called ecstasy in Krishna consciousness, bhava, feeling to, towards Krishna. Unless we have feeling for Krishna and Krishna's devotees, then naturally we'll have feelings towards our material concepts of life. Namely, as Prahlad Maharaj said, yanmaitu nadi grihamedi sukham hi tu If we don't have feeling towards Krishna and his devotees, and his devotees include, for instance, our wife and our children, doesn't mean only devotees outside our family, it means the devotees within our family. Feeling has to be there, but feeling in Krishna consciousness has to be there. If we see our, uh, ourselves as the dasa, dasa, anodasa, that means we're also dasa, anodasa of our wife and children. As the wife sees herself as the dasa, anodasi, of the husband and the children and every all the other devotees and ultimately of all living entities. So this cultivation of Krishna consciousness means to cultivate the attitude of service towards Krishna. And to do that, Sri Rupa Goswami has given us very five powerful processes. Namely, chanting the holy names of Krishna, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam Bhagavad Gita, worshiping the deities, serving the devotees, and living in a, a sanctified or a spiritual atmosphere, or 
because we have the good fortune of being in Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement, going out and creating a spiritual atmosphere by our preaching endeavors, such as chanting the holy name, distributing prasadam in Krishna consciousness, and distributing transcendental literature, or having programs where we do all these programs, all these activities to encourage people to enter into the spiritual atmosphere of Krishna consciousness. Thank you, Maharaj. Just to add something, that our morning program has all those five features. We have deity worship, we're chanting the holy name, we're hearing Shrimad Bhagavatam, we're, we're hearing the devotees chant and we're listening to them chanting, and we're creating a spiritual atmosphere by these activities. So these activities are not limited to the temple. They can be performed or should be performed, as Prabhupada said, both in the morning and the evening. The grihastas should sit down with their family and chant Hare Krishna together, hear Shrimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, and worship the deity. That will make the atmosphere Krishna conscious and what will help one go back to uh, make progress in spiritual life and go back and bring the family back to the spiritual world. Thank you so much, Maharaj. I have the another uh, important question that uh, to keep uh, people satisfied in the long run in monkhood would require a very significant shift in attitudes for them to be able to continue. So what kind of training you have in place to help them make that transformation in their attitude so that they are able to actually remain in uh, the renounced order for long periods of time? Well, first of all, we have to see whether one should actually be in the renounced order of life. As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, that one whose mind dwells on sense objects, but he tries to act as if he's a renunciate, certainly uh, deludes himself and is called a pretender. On the other hand, one who engages his senses and organs of action and works of devotion without attachment, he's by far superior. So it's not that everyone should prematurely or artificially enter into the renouncer of life. Uh, that depends upon one's actual ability to understand things properly and apply things properly within one's life. Now, as I mentioned, the most important thing is how to develop spiritual relationships with the devotees and people in general. Sri Rupa Goswami has advised us that to be on the spiritual platform, one has to love Krishna, Ishvara Prem. And at the same time, one has to learn how to serve the devotees appropriately, to find out who my spiritual masters are, to find out who the devotees I'm supposed to be serving, who the innocent are I'm supposed to help come to the platform of Krishna consciousness, and who I should avoid and not associate with intimately for different reasons. So one has to learn this art of loving exchanges appropriately. And if one can do that, one can experience transcendental happiness and love with what whoever one comes in contact with. If one cannot learn that process, it doesn't matter how austere one may be, how learned one may be. If one does not have loving exchanges appropriately with Krishna 
and with his devotees, with innocent people, and learn how to avoid the non-devotees, their influence, then the result is that one will always hanker after material sense gratification and material relationships. So one has to be anxious or one has to be trained in how to actually properly perform devotional service, especially in these five loving relationships appropriately. Otherwise, one may become bewildered by one's false ego and try to find loving relationships in ways which are not conducive towards renunciation. Renunciation ultimately means to renounce the material concept of life, Ishvaraham aham bhogi siddhaham balavan sukhi. So one may be learned, one may be austere, one may have developed so many good qualities, but if one is not humble, a humble servant of the servant of the servants of the servants, and learn how to apply that loving exchanges appropriately with the devotees, and at the same time, be immersed in the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as he said, Yari Deka Tarikaha Krishna Upadesh Amara Aga Guruhana Taridesh. Whoever you meet, you have to learn, we have to see or get trained up how to help them make progress towards the relation with Krishna. If that's the main tra training, to come to this platform of becoming a servant of the servant of servant of Krishna and serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement by gaining the appropriate intelligence and expertise, transcendental discrimination and expertise, how to help every per, every devotee, every innocent person, every person, every living entity that we meet, and see what intelligence, pray for the intelligence from Krishna, from Guru, from Sadhu and Shastra, by the mercy of the Paramatma within our heart, so that we can assist any devotee or any living entity we come in contact with, help them develop their relation with Krishna. If we do that, as Prabhupada wrote to me, he said, the more you work seriously to help bring Lord Krishna's other children back to the spiritual kingdom, then the more he'll bestow all his blessings upon you. That Krishna is never ungrateful for our efforts to serve him, rest assured. So I think that's the best training. Loving exchanges appropriately done with proper discrimination and, and proper expertise so that we become like Prabhupada, a swan-like devotee, and all our relationships are sublime with it, with everyone we meet. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maharaj. The next question is, many of the monks who are there uh, they stay in the movement for very long periods of time. So how can we give the monks a sense of mission and belonging to ISKCON, you know, and to the devotee community? Well, of course, devotee community develops generally from the outside in. There are so many people in this world who know nothing about Krishna. So we want to create a, a system by which those who are mature in Krishna consciousness, those who are more inspired by Krishna consciousness, they go out to the 
society of people who are, don't know about Krishna or are innocent and try to inspire them, encourage them, and create a programs for them by which they can come and hear about Krishna. And when the atmosphere is arranged appropriately for such innocent people, when the uh, presentation is arranged so that they can understand what Krishna consciousness is and how it satisfies and meets their needs, when such programs are developed and applied and innocent people come, then they're introduced to the uh, Shraddha and Sadhu Sangha. And when that taste develops for the association of devotees, then the result is that they inquire maybe how I can practice Krishna consciousness more seriously. That's called Bhajna Kriya. And when they chant rounds and they hear about Krishna through Prabhupada's books, when they associate with the devotees more carefully, then they want to become a member. They want to become part of Krishna's family and feel like they belong. So that wanting to become a member generally is manifest in our movement and the present time through the process of initiation, at least. So that initiation should be the impetus that now I'm not only a member of Krishna's family, but now I'm going to serve in Krishna's family. If you get married and you decide now I'm married, now the uh, now my contract is over, I don't have to serve my wife or my husband or my children, I'm already married, what do I need with all this extra? By getting married, I'm already a perfect householder. Now marriage is the beginning of service. That's how the family develops, through service. And our family develops through the service, by helping devotees make advancement in Krishna consciousness, the equals, the inferiors, serving these under the instructions and the guidance of the superiors. Then when we actually give more and more service to the society, then we become more and more feeling that I am part of this spiritual family. Then one has to become mature in Krishna consciousness. One has to develop within oneself one's life mission within the society so that one can feel oneself to be completely dependent upon society and one has no interest outside the society's interest and then one becomes a very intimate member of the family. And one can help others how to develop their feeling of belonging and becoming an intimate member of the, and serving and becoming an intimate member of the family also. So initiation is not the end it should only be the beginning of becoming part of the family. And initiation doesn't mean initiation into some little group within ISKCON. If my spiritual master is very advanced in Krishna consciousness, then he'll teach me very expertly how to become a servant appropriately of those who are more advanced than I am, how to serve those who are on the same level as, as me, and those how to help and serve those who are on a lesser level by bringing them to at least my level. Therefore, uh, initiation is not the end, it's the very beginning of our commitment to the family of Krishna consciousness.
thank you very much thank you very much maharaj uh, there is a question which is asked from uh, someone from the audience how can you understand the importance of cleanliness in the life of a monk what are the different perspectives on cleanliness well who brought said cleanliness is godliness cleanliness means as probably once said when the dvc was made some of the dvc members were making plans how to centralize all the finances within our society they probably was wondering oh you want to do something that i don't want to do you've decided big big meeting that you're going to centralize everything that that will spread krishna consciousness so probably said that well first of all probably was not very pleased by their meeting and he wrote to one of the devotees who had organized the meeting he said i see that you're making big big plans to centralize everything within the society but i don't see you're making any plans uh to solve some of the big problems i see one of the problems i see probably said is that before they eat prasadam the devotees don't wash their hands so probably took that as a problem as a problem so she probably said why don't you make some discussions on how we can get the devotees to wash their hands before they eat prasadam and not only that but even after they eat prasadam they should also wash their hands even if they want to take some extra prasadam away from with them it shouldn't be on their hands so external cleanliness means to as probably said keep the body clean take showers a number of times a day wash one's clothes but also there has to be internal cleanliness that by as manat prasadam samya tvam monamatma vinigraha purification one's existence uh prasadam satisfaction equanimity monam gravity that these are the qualities internal cleanliness we also have to develop we may be for instance externally austere deva guru guru deva dvida guru pragya pujanam socham arjivam so one of the two qualities of a brahman are satyam and socham cleanliness and truthfulness but also austerity means deva dvida guru pragya offering respects to others who are worthy of it the supreme lord the brahmins and celibacy cleanliness these are all part of cleanliness but then again we have to be clean in our words too anuvega karam vakyam so anuvega karam vakyam satva priya hitam chayat swadaya byasanam chayva vangmana tapuchate we have to be clean in our words which means we should say words that are pleasing which are beneficial which are truthful which follow the vedic conception and which don't agitate people's minds so cleanliness is not just with our body but it's also with our words and with our minds and such cleanliness means i will come to the platform of satva samshudir love real cleanliness is love for krishna love for the devotees love for the innocent and even 
this uh, not intimately associating with the, those who are against Krishna because we don't want to lose our love for Krishna or for the devotees. Thank you very much, Maharaj. Uh, you have set up a very elaborate system for vetting candidates for uh, the sannyas order within ISKCON. And uh, maybe you would love, like to share you know, some of the issues and challenges which ISKCON faced with respect to the renounced order uh, way back in the 80s and what kind of made you get into this transition of uh, creating very elevated standards for vetting the sannyas candidates. So what has been the history to that and what steps you took and how has been the impact? One of the first UBC member meetings I attended around 1985 or something like that was uh, I was in this, what is now the small office where they have the office for the GBC in the back of the top floor of the Kongsh building. And the I wasn't a GBC at that time, I was just attending. And one of the proposals were the three sannyasis from Brazil would were proposed to take sannyas, uh, three brahmacharis from Brazil were proposed to take sannyas. And the question was raised if anyone knew who these three brahmacharis were. And no one had any idea except for the devotee who was proposing them. And so they said, since we don't know who he is, who they are, let's give them sannyas. Therefore, they all were given sannyas that year. Now, our record in, of the, at that particular time, of the number of devotees who took sannyas and the number of devotees who left the sannyas ashram was not very encouraging. Namely, more than 50% of the devotees who took sannyas wound up leaving the sannyas ashram. In other words, you can flip a coin and, and, find, and see maybe this devotee will stay in the sannyas ashram or he won't stay in the sannyas ashram. But sannyasis are supposed to be the spiritual masters of the varna and ashrams. And it creates great confusion if someone who's supposed to be advanced in Krishna consciousness actually winds up to be on a different platform than was expected of consciousness. Therefore, at one point, Jai Swami, in 1987, he put a proposal to the GBC to establish a sannyas committee. He called it uh, ISKCON uh, Sannyas Services Ministry. And after around a year, he invited me to become the minister to do his service. So I, I agreed. And after some time, we, we had a, it developed into a committee, a standing committee, and we would meet usually once a year in Mayapur when we had to decide to who could take sannyas and who would move up on a list. There was already a kind of program which was already devised by the GBC, 
putting devotees on a certain number of years as a candidate and then moving them up. But we had no system of evaluation or not a very systematic system. And so every year we'd meet and we'd get some reports, but more or less we didn't know exactly who was qual how qualified the devotee was. We got some, we had some interviews, especially with devotees in Mayapur, but we weren't doing it so extensively outside of Mayapur. Many times, by the mercy and the internal energy, someone would come along just at the right time and give us some information about the candidate, which was obviously something that Krishna wanted us to hear, and therefore we were able to modify or change our decision based upon the very relevant information that was sent by the Supreme. Uh, but that system is rather tenuous, although somehow or another Krishna allowed it to work for some time. But then at some point it was clear that we had to make the system more in depth if we wanted to actually be successful in the long run. Uh, therefore, I invited devotees from what's called, uh, well, from the, mostly from the deputies. Uh, na their names are now, were, are. Uh, Srivas Prabhu from Africa, Srivas Pandapru from Mahamar, Bhakti Ravav Maharaj, who's now in England, Krishnas Kavaraj, Prabhu from Canada, Hanuman Prabhu from Spain, and at one time there's uh, Shruti, Shruti from England. Shruti Dham, Shruti, Shruti Dhar, who passed away. So we formed this committee, and then we started to have some more in-depth assessment of the candidates. We got some devotees to be part of our secretariat. We had a, we made up a application form. We had more or less uh, assessments. We got Braj Sundaru to become our secretary, and we got different secretaries. And then we got an assessment pro process, getting feedback, getting reports from the GBCs about the candidates in their zone getting reports from the mentors that the sannyasi candidates were supposed to travel with, getting reports from the proposed sannyas guru, from senior devotees, and we started to get a lot of information. Some of the information was more or less valuable, a lot of it wasn't. Uh, devotees in ISKCON are not used to evaluating senior devotees or evaluating even devotees on the same level. Uh, so especially in India, the devotees were the, rather shy to say anything which was negative towards devotees for different reasons. So generally speaking, we get 99% praising, and this devotee is obviously an effulgent incarnate avatar who's come down to save us all, and we get 1% of critical evaluation of the candidate. So that made it difficult, but that 1% we could actually look into and evaluate the candidate in a more, well, from a different angle other than his excellent qualities that he was displaying 
in the eyes of those who appreciated him greatly. So realizing that we're not going to get make so much progress in that kind of evaluation, we started to investigate other possible processes of evaluation. Uh, evaluation mainly to understand what the, if the devotee should be a sannyas candidate to begin with, because we get applications to become a sannyas candidate. And number two, if they're qualified or capable of becoming a sannyas candidate, where we would have to train them in order to assist them in developing the qualities that would be necessary to maintain sannyas over a long period of time. Therefore, we started to develop missions, sending the candidates on missions so that they could be put into a situation where devotees who were not, who were less familiar with them, could assess them in a more uh, objective manner. And also, we could see how the candidate would work when he's not in his comfort zone, how he'd serve Krishna in his comfort zone. So that mission committee was developed, those missions were developed. At the same time, we started to interview, learn how to do interviews to the can, for the, to the can, uh, with the candidates so that we could ask relevant questions that would give us information about the candidates' interests, qualifications, their purpose of being, wanting to be a sannyasi, what they do in such a service, etc. And then we also de were developing uh, essays, giving this, the candidates an opportunity to express themselves, their realizations, their conceptions, their aspirations in a written form. So between those things, between evaluations, missions, assessments, association with senior mentors, and written questions and evaluations, uh, we're trying to develop a program where the candidates are not just put on a, a list a number of years of a number of years, and therefore almost they expect after a certain number of years are they going to take sannyas? Or others are also expecting that they're going to take sannyas in a certain number of years. Instead, we want to develop the candidates to the level where when they take sannyas, they'll actually know what to do in that ashram. They'll feel comfortable in that ashram. Others will appreciate them as being in that ashram. And they'll be able to act not just as a sannyasi, as the leader of society, but as a part of the society, that part of the society where they have a certain mission, a certain position, certain service in that mission, so that they don't feel themselves as the mission or as the savior of the mission, but they feel themselves as a servant of the mission, and they're able to effectively serve as a servant of the servant of the servant of that mission, by becoming a devotee, a servant preacher, rather than trying to become this, uh, the preacher master. In the mode of ignorance, where we begin usually our devotional service, we're trying to get over the conception that I'm the proprietor of so many things. I'm the doer of so many things. I deserve so much attention. And then as one becomes purified, 
one begins to understand that actually I may not be the controller, I may not be the doer, I may not be the proprietor, but I want to get some kind of enjoyment from what I'm doing, either subtly, the conception that I am this or I am that, or the getting automatically respect from others and kind of subtly uh, trying to enjoy it. But when one becomes purified from that, then one becomes to the mode of goodness, where one starts thinking that by my association, by my realizations, by my preaching, by my instructions, by my example, I'm saving so many others. So that's a great danger, rather than thinking oneself to be simply an instrument of the previous acharyas, and therefore simply becoming saved by the mercy of one spiritual master and by the mercy of the other devotees, senior devotees in the society, by the mercy of the acharyas, and seeing oneself simply as an instrument, as a servant of the servant of the servants, of a humble instrument. Uh, so well, I should say, if one can see like that, then one can actually render very valuable service to the society. Otherwise, if one becomes proud that I am a sannyasi, or I am this or that, and I deserve so many different things that I'm doing, I'm saving so many devotees, I have so much realization, uh, then that kind of, kind of mentality or consciousness is very dangerous for anyone what to speak of a leader within the society. So we're trying to help the devotees understand what level of spiritual attainment they're on and help them develop the qualities and the consciousness so they can be effectively feel themselves as a very humble servant of the servant of Krishna and be able to preach that philosophy and demonstrate that consciousness effectively so they feel growing love for Krishna, they feel growing love for the devotees on all levels, they feel growing love and appreciation, compassion to the innocent, and they avoid the non-devotees not out of hatred, but out of respect, knowing well that they may not be very effective in reaching them, and that by attempts to reach them, they may become affected or they may disturb the non-devotees, some non-devotees, those who are against Krishna. Thank you. Thank you, Maharaj, for sharing that uh, amazing uh, journey which your team has had with respect to organizing the vetting process for future sannyas candidates. Uh, you know, how do we balance freedom and creativity and facility with respect to accountability, especially when you have uh, those in the renounced order, because sometimes there may be a dynamic tension between giving freedom and facility vis-a-vis -vis accountability. So do you have a system in place to manage that? Well, we have to define what our mission is. If we don't have a clear mission, then we won't know if someone's in the mission or outside the mission. If we don't know how what we're trying to accomplish, the steps we're going to take to accomplish it, what the goal we're trying to accomplish, then it's going to be very unclear exactly what fits into our mission and what doesn't fit into our mission. 
So we had to develop a personal mission. We had to develop our purpose, what we're doing in that mission, what that what our purposes are, and to fulfill that mission, and what our vision is to accomplish that mission. And they all have to be consistent. And when they're consistent, and everyone agrees, well, everyone has the same mission. When everyone has the same mission, everyone is rowing the boat in the same direction, then there won't be any time to rock the boat. No one will have time to rock the boat. So that has to be established what our mission is, and that has to be agreed upon so that we have unity and diversity. Now, if someone doesn't agree to the mission, which is created under the Guru, orders of Guru, Sadhana, and Shastra, then if that is not agreed upon, then we're going to have many, a lot of diversity, but very little unity. And it'll be very hard for the leaders to figure out how to manage such diversity when there is such diversity, but very little agreement what the purposes of our society are and very little agreement on what the steps are, the sequence of manifesting that. It's just like, for instance, I'll give you an example. That if you have a child, you don't have to command the child to grow. If the child is healthy, then automatically it grows. So healthy means that all the different systems in the child's body are in order. We have the digestive system, we have the nervous system, we have the circulatory system, we have nine systems according to the Western medicine within our body. Now, health means that these systems are in balance. If one system is overriding all the other systems, if all you have is a digestive system, then the body will be unbalanced and it'll be unhealthy, and therefore it won't grow. Similarly, in ISKCON, we have our devotee care, we have our outreach, we have our leadership, we have our building maintenance, we have our building construction, we have so many different programs, and they're all valuable, but they have to be in balance with each other. And when they're in balance with each other, when they're, it's clear, what the how they are supposed to cooperate with each other, how they're supposed to exist in harmony with each other, how they're supposed to exist in balance with each other, then the result is that we'll have a healthy ISKCON. And anybody that's healthy generally grows. Grows towards what? We have to establish what the goal is. The goal is, that, as Prabhupada said, is to develop men of transcendental character. If we all have that mission and we understand the steps to develop that mission, we want to bring people to the movement. We want to give them nice association. We want to engage in the process of devotional service. We want to get them to feel like they're members of the society, that they belong to the spiritual family of ISKCON. We want to inspire them to utilize their interests, their talents, their abilities, within Krishna's service, in different types of ministries. And we want them to develop to the highest character 
where they can understand clearly what their mission in Krishna consciousness is, what their mission in life is, where they develop the highest character and become selfless servants of the servants of the servants of Krishna and his devotees, that when we have that system, then the result is that everyone can find their place and their inspiration under the guidance of the senior devotees who are directing that system. And everyone has the same purpose. Everyone is doing a valuable service in that mission. Everyone is trying to the best they can, according to their education and their commitment, to further the, the same mission, the one mission. And then you can have unity and diversity, where everyone is has the same mission, the same vision, the same understanding of what Krishna consciousness is, what it's meant for and how to execute it. And then you have so much talent, so much ability, so much inspiration, and they can all go simultaneously, harmoniously together towards the same goal and the same result, namely to develop the highest character in Krishna consciousness, a pure love of God. Thank you very much, Maharaj. Uh, one more related question is, how do you, uh, you know, help a monk in the long run from not feeling lonely, uh, emotionally affected, insecurity and things like that? Well, come to the program with the other devotees listen to them carefully with appreciation and respect, hear what they have to say, learn from them, develop loving relationships with all different levels of devotees. For those who are also monks, try to develop a service attitude. Don't think because I'm a monk, everyone should serve me. One should think because I'm a monk, now I have a better opportunity to serve everyone else. Try to serve the grihastas. Try to sell, show them appreciation for the service that they're doing by raising children and taking caring of care of a family and hopefully donating to the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Show them respect and give them service also. And for the senior devotees, whether they're my initiating guru, my other shiksha gurus, I should listen to them very carefully, follow their example of love and appreciation and renunciation of the material concepts of life and try to serve their mission, the mission that's been given to us by Lord Chaitanya through Srila Prabhupada and his sincere followers. And that where there could be any question of feeling lonely, because actually we'll get direct association with Krishna within our heart as Paramatma. We'll see that my guru is always with me. Krishna is always with me. And he's bringing me so many nice devotees to serve and to love and appreciate. So how can there be any question of loneliness if we follow the process properly? Thank you very much, Maharaj. Another question is, uh, do you, uh, like for example, in the Madhva Sampradaya, they regularly uh, take help of astrology for, uh, you know, guiding the monks. So what is your view on uh, use of astrology for helping vet the decision-making whether somebody should be in this renounced order or not? Well, the Madhvacharyas seem to have 
done quite well. I think they had like one or two fall downs in eight, 800 years. Uh, I, I think you can't argue with success. It's just like if we can't see clearly, we put on glasses and people are complaining that why are you putting on glasses? It's rather artificial. Why don't you utilize simply scripture? Well, I can't read the scripture. I have to see through these glasses in order to read it. So astrology is called, considered Jyotish, means the eyes of the Vedas. So the Vedas give us vision. So we, if someone knows how to utilize astrology properly in order to get obtain a better vision of the person's qualities, their propensities, their future, what they may be faced with, etc., as one factor amongst many, many factors, not as the only factor, but as one factor, then it can be very valuable. Now, if astrology was just some ordinary, you know, game or something, whatever you may call it, but astrology is actually a science given to us by our acharyas and disciples of succession. Ashul Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada was a famous astrology, astrologer. Shri Bhakti Kora was an astrologer. Uh, there are many great devotees within our, in our lineage who are astrologers. So as Prabhupada said, this astrology is not bad. He said, misuse of a great science doesn't make it useless. It's the question of utilizing it properly in Krishna's service, and then it can serve its, its purpose, because the purpose of astrology is to help people advance in Krishna consciousness. So in the Gita Nagari, papers that Prabhupada wrote with his vision for a future ISKCON society, one of the things, things he wrote is that astrology should be used to ascertain the varna and possibly the ashram of the children in our society. So even Prabhupada saw the use of astrology throughout his books. He cautions us about the misuse of it, but he also tells us that, for instance, in the 10th canto, astrology should be taught, astrology in Ayurveda, should be taught at our Gurukul. He said, we have a Gurukul in Dallas, and now we, were, we would like that all these children get trained in astrology and Ayurveda so that they become first-class Brahmins, and they could actually do good uh, first-class, give first-class service to the society. Thank you very much, Maharaj for sharing such uh, details about care for those in the renounced order. Uh, having now spent uh, more than four decades in ISKCON and uh, guiding renunciants and personally being in the renounced order, could you share with us what has been the secret of your internal strength and uh, you know internal satisfaction in the course of practicing life in the renounced order for others to benefit? Well, as, as I said before, Srila Prabhupada wrote to me one time, he said, the more you work seriously to help bring Lord Krishna's other children back to the spiritual kingdom, then the more he'll bestow all his, referring to Krishna, Lord Krishna, the more he'll bestow all his blessings upon you, that Krishna is never ungrateful to our efforts to serve him, rest assured. So Srila Prabhupada and his followers have engaged me in the preaching mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in service of the devotees, and as much as I've taken that seriously, then Krishna has bestowed his blessings upon me and kept me within Shula Prabhupada's movement.
so uh, there is one last question here maharaj uh, is it good that a congregation member takes care of the preaching essentials of uh, you know a monk like travel upkeep and things like that well i think that is the job of the the sannyasis the vanaprastas the brahmacharis they're the children of the of the society and the grihasthas is supposed to be their parents so the parents are supposed to care take care of these things so that time is not wasted in trying to get the facility or the means of preaching shubhrad writes in the shrimad bhagavatam the first canto chapter 5 etam susushiram etam susushitam brahmans as one i believe it's 1535 that in the purport that in the purport probably explains that if one has a propensity to preach he likes to preach then let them let that preacher convince people that lord krishna is the supreme personality of godhead if one has a tendency to organize let them organize like arjuna in the beginning didn't want to fight for krishna but at the end krishna convinced him that he should organize and his life in order to serve krishna's mission and fight for it so we need managers we need organizers and we need people who as prabhupada said if you have ability to collect things like money or food or whatever you can collect if you have that like the householders are supposed to do then let them utilize that those assets as much as they can either to help their family become krishna conscious or to help spread the krishna consciousness movement by giving those energies to the organizers who expertly organize in such a way as that there is a cultural revolution by which the art and music and all kinds of other means are there to convince people that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead but that's also especially done by distributing transcendental literature and by distributing transcendental knowledge so let the grihasthas let the others those who are managers let the brahmacharis and others who are preaching or assisting let them work together to spread the glories of krishna just to convince people that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead and if we work together for that then we'll become convinced that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead and we'll go back to the spiritual world thank you very much his holiness pradhanand swami maharaj for sharing your valuable time with us sharing with all of our uh, viewers on uh, care for iskon monks you and your team have been doing a splendid service improving the quality of how the overall quality of care for the monks could be improved we wish you all the very best thank you and for your service We're, we we humbly you so appreciate your service without thank your you. service probably devotees wouldn't know very much about what we're doing so we we really appreciate that you're caring for the devotees which is part of the transcendental activity of loving devotees and trying to help them become krishna conscious physically mentally spiritually emotionally so that our society will actually become strong and be able to help ourselves and help this misguided civilization also join this family too
थैंक यू महाराज थैंक यू सो मच हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा